0: were nations rising against nation, there was persecution against people, there were a lot of bad things happening while Jesus was on this planet, and yet Jesus walked carrying the will of his Father, bringing good news, setting captives free, bringing peace to the confusion, healing to the sick, deliverance to the demonized, and he did the will of his Father, and I just suspect that he wants us to do the same thing. So God, I I just ask that you'll help me to share your word and some of the thoughts that I'm gleaning as I'm spending time in your word. And I ask that what you want to take root in our lives will and what you don't won't, but that we'll just go deeper in you and deeper in your word and that you will be glorified in this moment. For Christ's sake we pray, amen. Amen, here we go. I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 24. We won't put it on the screen yet, but if you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and get to Matthew 24. It's a, if, you, if you've studied in times, I don't know if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or no-trib. I don't, I don't know what your theology is. And I'm not going to talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or no-trib. But what we're going to do is look at Matthew 24 and hopefully maybe a little bit more contextually from the way that Jesus would. So let me give you the background. Jesus and his disciples have just spent a season ministering at the temple. The temple was stunning. I mean, they crafted the stones in a quarry away from the temple so that you didn't hear the sound of the the work being done there. And they stacked these stones one on top of another. Uh, This is before bulldozers could clear the land. (laughs) No graders were helping and no cranes were lifting these things into place. And don't you love the videos on YouTube where the crane has more than it can handle? And it, but anyway, that's a whole other story. So no cranes were working and involved in this situation. So I mean, just it just took so long, decades and decades and decades of work to fashion this temple. And the apostles, they were just kind of stunned by the beauty of it. Let me ask, have you ever walked in or, in or been on vacation, walked through a castle, walked through a place, and it's just stunning? You're like, the work that went into this. This is, man, this is amazing. This is overwhelming. Uh, One of the places that we went to in Ireland when we were there, we found out that they had been working on that particular cathedral for 1,500 years. Can you imagine the people that laid the foundation? (laughs) 1,500 years later, their great, 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 great grandchildren are working on the top. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to think that way because that's a lot longer than our country's even been around. You know what I mean? But this temple, they'd worked on it, they'd constructed it, and the disciples are like, isn't it beautiful? And can I remind you that the temple was center for, it was the center for all Jewish life. That's where the sacrifices were taking place. That's where the priests would mediate on their behalf to the Father, and the the Lord would use the, the priest to speak blessing over the people. The temple was the center of everything. So Jesus says to them as they're going, isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful? He says, hey, the day's coming when not one stone's going to be left on top of the other one. Now, if the temple is the center of your life and you know how long it took to construct that temple, you, for that thing to be torn apart, you can't even put your mind around. We're talking about the days before bombs, before Patriot missiles before tanks were involved, they couldn't even wrap their mind around, how is this temple going to come down? How could this, I mean, they couldn't wrap their mind around, and because the temple is the center of life, if the temple's coming down, you know what that must mean? It must mean that that's the end of the age, right? If the temple's your world, and there's no more temple, there's no more world, so the disciples asked Jesus a question, and I'm taking the time to say this because they asked it from their perspective. Jesus has made the statement, one of these days this temple's coming down, and they responded by saying, what are some of the signs of the end times? What did they think the end times would be? In my opinion, when the temple was destroyed. We all tend to read scripture from the lens of our current circumstances, don't we? We all do. And aren't you thankful that God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword? It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I want you to know there have been times that I might not have contextually understood a passage, but God used that passage to speak to my life and to strengthen me. So I am grateful that the word of God is alive, even if I don't understand the context. How about you? I'm grateful for that. But I also know that if we're going to talk about this subject of kingdom culture, maybe we ought to give the context an effort. And in my opinion, the disciples thought that when the temple came down, that was the end of days. So when Jesus answered the question, here's the big question, and I don't have the answer to it. You know me. I don't want to give you all the answers. I don't have them. When Jesus asked the question, or when he looked at them and he answered the question, was he answering the question knowing the frame of their mindset that they believed that when the temple came down, that was the end of the time? So, did Jesus answer in context with their thinking, or did he answer in context with the thinking of whatever the last generation on earth is going to be? Or did he answer in the context of just make a statement from my father and let them figure it out? And I'm not quite sure. But I think it's interesting because if we break it down from each angle, we could see it a little bit differently, and none of them are necessarily wrong. Look in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to read verses 4 through 13. Are you guys with me? I know this has been a lot of verbiage to get started, but are you with me? Thank you, four of you. God bless you. You're good. I appreciate it. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Christ. And what will they do? They'll deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So there will be people deceived. There will be wars and rumors of wars. It doesn't say that that's when the end happened. It says the end is still to come. It's not the end yet. Nation will rise against nation. In the Greek, that's ethnos. That's ethnicity. Ethnic group will rise against ethnic group is what that's talking about. And kingdom against kingdom. That is probably referring more to countries geographically, uh, those types of kingdoms. Like, you know, when we have in 2075, when we finally have our big battle with Canada, You understand prophetically, one of these days, we're going to take down diupers, and we're, you know, right? You understand. Okay, so, not that diupers, that's upper Michigan. They're on our side. Never mind. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Ladies, I've never been there. I'll just ask you, how many of you went through birth pains a long time before you had the baby? You're like, I didn't, this wasn't in the manual, Right? I thought birth pains happened when you have the child. And then how many of you had this happen where you went to the doctor, you're feeling the cramping, you're hurting, something's going on, and they would say something like, oh, it's just Braxton Hicks. How many of you heard that? You're like, I got Braxton Hicks right here, buddy. You, come, you tell me it's Braxton. I know what I'm feeling, okay? Braxton Hicks or not, I'm feeling birth pains. So you can give it a name, my stomach hurts. So famines, earthquakes in various places, doesn't say it's the end. It says it's the beginning of birth pains. When you hear about earthquakes everywhere, does that mean Jesus is coming tomorrow? No, it just means we've we've got Braxton Hicks. They still hurt, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're having a baby tomorrow. Verse 9, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by every ethnos because of me. Don't you love the promises of God? We used to sing a song in church. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. How many of you sang that one? Okay. And I read this and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's a great promise. I'll be handed over and be persecuted and put to death. God bless my uh, friends with that one. I don't necessarily need that one. Be hated by all nations because of me. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's kind of scary if you think about it. The love of most people that are walking with Christ is going to go, grow cold. That's alarming. But he who stands firm till the end will be saved. Now we're going to stop there for a moment at verse 13. I'm presenting to you that I think possibly that when Jesus answered the disciples' question, what are the signs of the end of the age? Because of the temple, that when he spoke this to them, they went through it. That it's possible. 10 of the original 12 apostles were executed for their walk with Christ. While the gospel was spreading out throughout Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, working its way westward to Rome and eventually to Spain. And finally, I mean, we all know Paul's fourth missionary trip all the way out to the far west coast of Europe, okay? I mean, as, as the gospel spread, there were famines, there were wars, there were rumors of wars. All of these things happened. The gospel was going from community to community, and you know what would happen after an apostle would leave that community? A false teacher would come in behind him and try to bring confusion. Confusion. James, the the younger brother of Jesus, had his head cut off when he was was preaching in Jerusalem. James the apostle was boiled in oil. I mean, these people, they suffered this. But Pastor Brad, it's a sign of the end times. To them, that was the end. The temple was down, and this was what they went through. Now, I think also people in the 1200s and the 1500s, in the 1600s, probably believed it was them too. How many know that, that there's been famines as long as the earth has been here? And there's been hurricanes. And there, any, anytime you have people's groups, you're gonna have wars and rumors of wars. And sometimes people of the same skin color fight and hate each other. It's not just about different skin color, it's about different ideology. We can be born in the same state and want to kill one another for crying out loud. So it's not just that it happened with the disciples, but it really has happened with every follower of Christ that they've been there. Let me ask you this How many of you have ever been told by a saint of God that you love and value? When I say saint of God, I tend to think of somebody a little bit older than you in the faith that spoke into your life. How many of them have ever told you they really believed Jesus was going to come back before their lifetime was over? How many of you have had that conversation? Okay, and they're getting older and you're thinking, "Ooh, he better come back soon. Or you need to eat food with more preservatives, right? Because it, it's, we don't have a lot of time left here as I'm looking at you for myself. You know, the church that I was brought up in until I was 12, Brother Parker, we didn't call him pastor, we called him brother. Brother Parker said, I believe with all my heart, I'm gonna see the rapture of the church. He would say that regularly. Brother Parker's been in God's presence for about 10 or 12 years now. He didn't see the rapture of the church. My grandma Riley really believed that she was going to see the rapture. Brad, I don't don't think that it can get any worse. I just don't think that it can get any worse. Jesus has got to come back. We're going to see the Is it possible, and I hate to go there, but is it possible that we might not see the rapture of the church? Is it possible? Listen, I want to, and I don't even know if I believe in the rapture. But I want to see it anyway. Because if I can get away from tribulation, God, take me, take me now. But I think that there's a confusion in the American church that because we are finally facing persecution and because we feel the tension that the rest of the world has felt for a long time, we're saying, Jesus is coming back. It's a sign of the end times. I don't think that's fair. Other people have had their heads chopped off for the sake of the gospel and the church grows through the blood of martyrs. Other people have been persecuted. Famines have happened before. They're happening now. And God is still seated on a throne. He's still high and exalted. So what are we going to do about it? I mean, that's the big question to me. If, if we can't just use the, the standard, well, it's a sign of the end times. Rather than saying that, why don't we say, Jesus, in the times that I'm in, And if you come back in the next 10 years, hallelujah. But what if you don't come back for a 1,000? And some of you might go, Pastor Brad, I can't even put my mind there. I've been here my whole life. Israel's become a nation and the signs and he's coming back. I can't even go there. Listen, I'm not trying to destroy anybody's faith here. But what if? I mean, we've got an eternity with Jesus. What's another 1,000 years? There's an eternity. What's another 2,000 years? What if this isn't the end of times, but it's our moment? This is our moment to bring the gospel of the kingdom. It's our moment to make a difference. What if a thousand years from now, the Christians on this planet are looking at us going, why didn't you step out rather than sitting back and just hoping for the rapture? What if they, they, they look at us and see all the ground that we forfeit? because we're not doing what Jesus does. Let me give you another little random verse. It's in Acts chapter two, verses 16 and 17. This verse was shared on the day of Pentecost. Remember that day, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This crowd gathers around because they hear everybody praying in languages they didn't know and got their attention, like these people are crazy. And they're laughing and they're having a good time. I think they're drunk. When's the last time our church has been accused of being drunk? I mean, wouldn't that be fun? We are in so enjoying worship and so enjoying presence of God that people walk in and go, these people are a little bit crazy because there's just that joy in the Holy Spirit and you're enjoying who he is and they gather around and Peter steps up and he goes, we're not drunk like you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, how many you know you can't use that anymore? Because some people are drunk at nine o'clock so you can't use that anymore. He says, it's only only nine o'clock in the morning. He goes, no. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And by the way, Joel spoke about it 400 years before Jesus even came. So Peter, under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, has a verse come to his mind that's been around for 400 years. And in that moment, when they say, are you drunk? He is inspired of the Spirit to quote a verse that they all knew. No, no. This is what was spoken by Joel. Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then we always quote the rest of it, your sons and daughters and your old, right? We quote that. And we focus on the latter part of that, that he pours out his spirit on everybody. Can I get an amen? Amen. But what did that start with? Four words, right? One, two, three, yeah. When did God pour out his spirit? In the last days. Pastor Brad, that was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago was the beginning of the last days. Because the last days are the season of time after Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to his people until the day that he comes back again. The last days started 2,000 years ago. So I am telling you, Matthew 24 was applicable to the disciples then and it's been applicable to every disciple since, and it's applicable to us, and it might be applicable for another 500 or 1,000 years, whether we want to admit it or not, the last day started when he sent his Holy Spirit. That's when it started. So where do we go with this? I'll tell you what we do. We don't use every bad thing that happens As an opportunity to give a callous remark to the world that it's a sign of the end times and just move on. Because I want you to know that every time there's a hurricane and we say there's a sign of the end times, all we're telling them is that God hates people enough to destroy their houses. And when there's a tornado that comes through Oklahoma and we say it's a sign of the end times, all we've done is tell people that God hates people from Oklahoma. And I know some people from Oklahoma. I've wondered from time to time, okay, but I don't think he hates them. And when officers are shot in Dallas and we stand up and we say it's a sign of the end times, we've almost put our stamp of approval on the taking of life. Listen, it's a sign of sin. It's a sign that we've been in the last days from the moment that Jesus poured out his spirit. And it's a stinking reminder that we better step up and give people what Jesus wants us to give them. And now we're going to start talking about kingdom culture. Here's some observations. Number one, when giving the signs of the end of the age, none of the the events Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24, 4 to 13, guaranteed, guaranteed the end would come. What we read together, none of it said that when this happens, the end will come. Remember, these are the beginning of birth pains. The end is still yet to come. All these things will happen, but they're not the culmination of everything. Here's the second observation. Jesus mentioned one thing in Matthew 24, 14 that will bring the end of this age. If you, how many of you had your Bibles open when I was reading from Matthew 24? How many of you were frustrated that I didn't read the last part of the paragraph? Thank you for your honesty. God, will deal with you, David. You know, shouldn't be partnering with frustration so easily. All right? Do you, know, you want to know what the one ultimate sign is that the end of the age will come? Look at the next verse, Matthew 24, 14. You ready for this? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. When's the end gonna happen? When the gospel of the king, kingdom is preached to every ethnicity in the world. Here's the problem. I don't even think at Faith Chapel we put our minds around what the gospel of the kingdom is. And I know overall the church doesn't understand what the gospel of the kingdom is. We think we're just to take the gospel to every part of this planet, but Jesus was pretty specific when he said the gospel of the kingdom. If Jesus didn't want the words of the kingdom in there, he would have left them out. If he wanted to say the gospel will be preached to the whole world, he could have said that. That's not what he said. In my whole life, I grew up hearing, we've got to take the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. What's the good news? Jesus died to save us. you realize how far, far short that falls of what Jesus was actually saying here? And I'm not saying Jesus didn't die to save us. And I'm not saying that his death isn't good news for me because it gives me life. You all know I believe that. But that's not what he said. He said the gospel of the kingdom. Here's some applications. Number one, the kingdom is good news. You see, the word gospel means what? Good news. So we can't just say, I'm going to go give good news because people say, what's the news? Right? I've got good news. What is it? Good news. What? What? If you have good news, tell me the good news. Well, the good news is good news. We're not going to do an Abbott and Costello routine up here. That's what we've done to the world. We've left off what the good news is. Jesus said the gospel, meaning good news, the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is good news. Number two, the whole world must hear the good news of the kingdom. Number three, every ethnic group must hear the good news of the kingdom. And number four, the end will not come until the good news of the kingdom is proclaimed to all ethnicities. Let me ask you, how are we doing when it comes to that? Are we proclaiming the good news of the kingdom everywhere? Do you realize it's, impo- it's possible to do missions and completely miss the mark? That there, there, are, there are countries all over this earth where cathedrals had been set up because somebody went there to start a mission and the mission was to build a cathedral to get people to come into that cathedral and the cathedral's there and there's religion there and there's pomp and there's circumstance but there's no anointing and there's no presence of God and we're not giving the gospel of the kingdom. And then you've got a Protestant church that wants to do something a little bit different because that one's too ornate and we're uncomfortable with that. So we do it a lot cheaper, but we still build the structure and we say, come here, it's about this, but we still don't give the gospel of the kingdom. You know that Jesus spoke to some of the religious leaders of his day. They were missionaries. Do you know the Pharisees sent missionaries all over the world? Did you know that? They sent missionaries all over the world. Jesus even referred to it. He said, you send people all over the earth to make them a convert, and when you do, you make them twice the son of hell as what you are. Wow. How do you know that we don't need to send American Christianity to Malaysia? We don't need to send American religion to Siberia. We need to send the gospel of the kingdom around the earth. Now, I talk about kingdom around here quite a bit but let's define it. It's from the Greek word basilia. The word that's translated as kingdom in the Greek is basilia. Now, we're in the West and it's hard to envision kingdoms. We, we, vision, we envision democracy and we all own our own land and we all own our own space and we kind of see it that way. So it's hard to think about kingdoms, but remember, when we're talking about kingdom in basilia, we're talking about authority. Let's just give you a quick definition Basiliah means royal power, kingship, and dominion. Number two, Basiliah is not to be confused with an actual kingdom or a physical kingdom, but rather uh, the right or the authority over a kingdom. Number three, Basiliah is the scepter of kingly authority. Some of us, our only understanding of a kingdom is going to Disney World. How many of you have been to Disney World? Remember the first time you saw the castle? I mean, wasn't it pretty cool? Now, I remember we went, I guess we were, our, we were in our mid-30s the first time that we went to Disney World. And I remember watching my wife melt, not just in the heat because we were there in July, but melt when she saw that castle. It's Cinderella's castle. For just a second, my wife, with a college degree, Highly educated, passionate intercessor. And for just a second, she believed that it was actually Cinderella's castle. She it's Cinderella's castle. I hope I get to meet her. You you hope you get to meet a girl making minimum wage that's dressed up in a costume? Yes. Guess what what we paid for? Breakfast with the princesses. How many have paid for breakfast with the princesses? Wow, that's an experience. Really bad food for about, oh, I know, it was wonderful because it was in the castle. Really bad food for about $35, $40 a person just so that you could meet the princesses when they came by. So you bring your book so that you can get their autograph. And then when you leave and you walk down, you you know who's there to say goodbye? Cinderella. And I could not keep Beth in line she stepped over Emma, <laughs> caused a soul wound that we're still dealing with today to get to Cinderella. When I think about a kingdom, honestly, I think about that place because they make it look like this magical kingdom, right? And it is magical for a mouse to get that much cash. Can I get an amen? It is magical. And so I, 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 when I think kingdom, I think castle. I think walls and moats and authority and chariots. I don't typically go to this. I I don't go to the scepter. Jesus didn't pray, teach us to pray, hey, may heaven come down and destroy the planet. May May the heaven's kingdom be established here in the sense of the castle and the walls and the streets of gold. He actually wanted us to have the authority. When we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, we're talking about, the good news of heaven's authority on earth will be preached everywhere, then the end will come. That's really the ultimate good news. Because how many have problems and struggles and you battle sickness and you battle financial challenge, you battle division and confusion and despair and we battle all this stuff and earth doesn't have an answer for it? But the authority of heaven has an answer for it. Now, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you to kind of go like if we were in the pre K room today or if we were in the FC kids room today. I'm gonna ask you to do this with me. And I, listen, as I'm asking you to do this, I want you to know when people ask me to do this, I'm the same guy that when I say, I'm like, I don't wanna do this. When I'm out there and we hear a guest speaker and I want everybody, I'm the first guy in my heart to go, I don't wanna do that because you're telling me to do it. Okay, there's just a little bit of rebellion that still needs to be dealt with. So I know some of you feel that way because I see them already. What's he going to ask us to do? It's not that big a deal. Some of you are like, it just looks so stupid when we do that. I get it. (laughs) But sometimes we do something to just bring something home a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, lift up your hand and hold a scepter in your hand like you really have some authority here. Okay, you have a, and I know it's a little cheesy, but I want you to visualize it. You have a scepter of authority. You're royalty. You want to know some good news? Some good news is you have authority in the name of Jesus. You have authority in the kingdom of Christ. And sickness has to bow when you pray. Amen. And poverty has to give up when you pray. And life has to be given when you pray because you have authority. That's right. Say it with me. I have, I have authority in the name of Jesus. I've been given the kingdom's authority and I'm going to use it for the glory of Jesus and to annihilate the enemy's plans on my planet in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, we need some people to step up in Dallas with some authority and to say it isn't about everything that you think it's about. It's about we need more of heaven on earth. That's That's what we need. We need the authority of heaven on earth. And when heaven comes, oh, look out. This Greek word basilia, jot this down. I think it's interesting. Basilia was used 54 times in the book of Matthew alone. The gospel of Matthew. 54 times. 33 of those times specifically referring to the basilia of heaven, the authority of heaven. I'm telling you, Gordy, you've got the authority of heaven. I'm telling you to pray for the authority of heaven. Over and over again, it's used to talk about authority. So I'm not even gonna use the word kingdom as much right now because my mind goes back to physical kingdom and castle. I'm gonna use the word authority. 54 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Here's a thought. We are equipped... We are to be equipped with the authority of heaven to navigate the earth and to equip others to do the same. Now, we're doing good on time. I've got two little thoughts and it'll take about 10 minutes and that's where we are. We're doing good enough that I can pause for a moment, which usually causes the problem, but I'm gonna try to be careful with this and do this anyway. Jesus never said to people, invite me into your heart. He didn't just look at them and say, invite little Jesus into your little heart and everything's gonna be better. He looked at them and said, hey, follow me, follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men, follow me. I'm gonna give you the authority of the kingdom, follow me. And I'm not saying that we don't pray and we don't ask Jesus in and that we step in because how many know when you ask him in, you're stepping into him because we're seated in heavenly places in Christ according to scripture. So when I'm asking him in, I'm also receiving the invitation to go in to who he is. And it's not just about an altar experience where I come down, I bow my knee, and I say a prayer, Father, forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name, and I walk out and think everything's fine. Because some people come down as they are, and they leave as they were, and nothing changes. If I'm a follower of Christ, it changes everything. It's more than just asking him into my heart. It's following him in relationship in every area of my life. The disciples left everything to follow him. Salvation is a gift from God, but it costs. He said, follow me. They walked away from family. Follow me. They walked away from community. Follow me. They walked away from friends. Why? Because following Jesus is worth everything. It's worth everything. So we don't just say, come down, come in, and Jesus, continue to live in me while I continue to be everything that I've always been. He goes, oh no, if I'm coming in, it's for radical change. I'm coming in to make you like me. The word Christian, which we first started using in the book of Acts, where were we first called Christians? How many you remember? Antioch. They did. It was, we weren't even called Christians when Jesus was on the planet. We weren't called Christians on the day of Pentecost. You know why they started calling us Christians in Antioch? Because we were doing what Jesus did. Christian, you ready for this? Means little Christs. What's Christ mean? Anointed one. They started calling us Christians because we were walking around with an anointing and they didn't know what to call us and they said, my goodness, they're like Christ. They're like little Jesuses. And we're not talking about having a spacey look looking into the sunset. We're not talking about just being meek and lowly. We're talking about they were raising the dead. They didn't, lie, they didn't love their life so much that they were afraid. They didn't shrink back from death. They said, you can cut off my head, but I'm not denying who he is and what he's done in my life because his kingdom is greater than this kingdom. They called them little Christ for crying out loud because they were like Jesus. How about us? How about the American church? And it takes 100 people with faith to get rid of a migraine. When the Lord says, you've been given the scepter of authority. You know one reason, I'll just be honest, one reason I get a little frustrated when sickness isn't immediately healed when I'm praying for somebody And I know sometimes it's gradual and I get that, but you know why I get frustrated when it's not immediately gone? Because I actually believe that Jesus gave me the authority to annihilate it. We've got two girls. You all know that. And one of the things that they like to do, and it doesn't happen as much anymore because they're older, but one of the things that we've experienced, and if you have children, you've probably experienced this before too. One comes down and they tell you what's going on and you say something like, well, tell her or tell him that mom said. Or tell him that dad said. How many of you have ever used that line? You tell him that dad said. So we've heard it. Hey, tell her, tell her this is what dad said. Tell her this is what mom says. She goes, upstairs. Mom said that you, and there's a little attitude with it. Right? You know why there's a little attitude with it? Well, first of all, because we're sinful little boogers and we need deliverance. But there's a confidence in the authority that's been given. Because it's not just me saying it anymore mom said to say it dad said to say it and so it's interesting how quickly that will elevate tension when somebody goes up and says mom said and they still don't do it and they come down and they said i went up and i said mom said and it still didn't happen you know what i tend to say go up and get her and say daddy said come down here what tell her daddy said to come down you see, it would have been a lot easier if she just would have did what we said to do, but now she's got to get up and come down the stairs. And how many you know that's like walking to Siberia when you're old, a teen and you don't want to come, right? So come on down. Hey, that's not going to happen anymore. This, okay, all right. You know, there's frustration when you give a word with authority and that word isn't received because we believe we have the authority. Amen. Jesus wants us to actually believe that we have what he says that we have so that we can do what he says that we can do. Now let's, let's wrap this up with a couple of thoughts and we're going to talk about the kingdom culture for the next few weeks but here's two quick things I'm going to give you. Number one, Jesus told us to pray for authority of heaven to come to us. You all know it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. What does it say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what are we praying for? That's basiliah. Lord, Jesus told us to do this, guys. Jesus said, ask for the authority of heaven to come. And when it does, heaven's will is accomplished. We read this so backwards. Well, I just want it to be God's will. Did you hear my friend got hit by a train? It just must be God's will. Because God's sovereign and he loves it when people get hit by trains. How many know we live on a fallen planet? Broken planet, people are distracted. Have you ever watched the video, uh, the video of people on their iPhones walking through the mall? Listen, there's a little part of me. I know I shouldn't laugh, but I do. Somebody's, uh, so many people are looking down. And there's this great video. This lady's just walking along, and, and she just flips right into the fountain in the middle of the mall. <laughs> I mean, just no clue. And then the next lady, she's walking along and poof, right into the door. And she looks up, and she's like, got this look like door what are you doing there like it can really move from this position you know what I'm saying like the door didn't just randomly walk out to hit her you know just so in the I mean I love that I mean it's hysterical can you tell me it's God's will that she walked into that door no she's distracted we got people full of sickness at progress hospitals because God wants them sick no it's because we're in a fallen world it's because we don't eat like we should Guilty even from the pulpit. We put so much stuff in our bodies that we shouldn't put in here and then we get another pill to deal with it. We're not partnering with the and that's not God's fault. Thankfully, in his great mercy, he has given us the authority to deal with the fact that we fall short. Some sickness is because somebody brought it on themselves but it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to release healing to them. Some of it's just because we're in a fallen world and we battle it. And you know where some of it comes from? Spirit of infirmity. Because if the spirit of infirmity can keep sickness on God's people, God's people don't release healing to others. So Jesus said, pray for his authority to come. Last point is this. Number two, Jesus gave post, (laughs) this is the longest point ever, post-resurrection authority of heaven education to his disciples. Jesus gave post-resurrection authority of heaven education to his disciples. Isn't that a horrible sentence? I kind of had fun putting it down that way. Let's finish with this. Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 underneath this thought. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and he also wrote the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, if you study the Greek at all, you'll know that Greek scholars said there wasn't even a misspelled word in the gospel of Luke because the guy was just that brilliant. It wasn't a grammatical error. And he writes and he says, in my former, former book Theophilus and Theo is what theology, Theo refers to God. So Theophilus means like child of God. So was this somebody's name? It could have been. It also could have been a title to all of the children of God. Just kind of making it personal. Hey, children of God, I wrote you before, now I'm writing you again. Was it personal to one guy? Was it to all of us? I don't know, but we'll receive it anyway. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. Now, remember, the book of Acts is more about what the Holy Spirit's doing through the people, not about what Jesus is doing. So Jesus began what we're to continue. Jesus didn't end it all. Oh, he paid the ultimate price, said it is finished. That was for salvation and everything to be given. But we walk with the anointing of Jesus. Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So what's the suffering referring to there? His death. What does this say? After Jesus died, he appeared to his disciples and gave them many proofs that he was alive. Look at my hands. Look at my side. It's really me. Can you eat? Sure, I can eat. Where did it go? It's a glorified body. Wow. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of how many days? Forty. And what did he speak to them about? The kingdom of God. So I'm going to end with today. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, point one, he taught his disciples to pray for the authority of heaven to be given to us. After he rose from the dead, they were given 40 days of graduate education as he talked to them again about the kingdom of God because he knew they needed to get it, that even though he was gone, they were going to walk with what he had given to them. You know what's interesting to me? I'll sum it up. We'll close. We'll bless you. We'll let you go enjoy this beautiful day. You know what stands out to me in this moment? That about a verse or maybe two verses later, it's the question that the disciples ask. It's, it's just kind of funny to me. He spends The resurrected Jesus spends 40 days talking about the authority of heaven. How many of you have ever had a conversation with someone, you think you're communicating what you wanted to communicate, and you get done and they look at you and say, can we go out for a cheeseburger? And you're like, were you even here? You know what I'm talking about? 40 days, kingdom of God. You know what they say to him? Uh, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What? That's where you believe that Jesus just wanted to say moron, which is the Greek word for moron, right? Kingdom of Israel? What are they asking for? Oh, is it time for Israel to have authority? Jesus is like, you are so far short in the way you're thinking. It's not even up to you to know the seasons of God. But here's what you do need to know. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, power will come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He brought them back up to heaven's perspective. Quit thinking about just Israel and walk with the authority of God. Hey, Quit thinking just about the suffering that we're facing in our country even though we need you to pray for our country. It's not just about America. It's not just about what's taking place in Venezuela. It's bigger than that. It's about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. May we be the ones that that bring it and deliver it and send it to others. Let's stand together. I don't feel like we're done and I don't feel like, and that's why I keep rubbing my, have you noticed how many times I've rubbed myself today? (laughs) And I I, it's, I, it's a bad habit, and I get it. It's because we're so not done, but we're not done because we're spending a few weeks in this. And we are going to look at how Jesus released kingdom authority and culture. But guess what? In the letters in the New Testament, throughout the, many of the letters that Paul wrote, even James referred to it, believe it or not, they talk about the culture of the kingdom what that looks like so we're going to give you a picture over the next few weeks of what kingdom culture looks like because kingdom culture is even greater than just raising the dead it's something that literally emanates and shines from your life can you receive this today okay all right god bless you guys thank you for being who you are you are children of god you're children of god And there is hope for our community because you're here. And our community needs you. And there's hope for the unborn because you're here. And there's hope for the addict because you're here. And you have a scepter of authority that's been given to you. God, I thank you that you give us the authority of Christ. You give us the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And God, I I ask for forgiveness if I ever curse this planet. I ask forgiveness for the times that I've spoken a harsh word over this planet. And I ask in Jesus' name that rather than doing that, that you would use me to take the authority that I have and to release healing to the nations. We don't just want to raise up missionaries that can quote the four foundations of spiritual growth. We want missionaries that can step in with the authority of the kingdom and drive out the devils and annihilate the spirit of death that is over our culture and annihilate the spirit of fear and set the captives free. Use us, God. Use us, God.